I'm Susan. I'm Rodney. I'm Kenny. I'm Evelyn. I'm Lou. And this is the darker side of things. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the darker side of things. Um, tonight, I have, again, special guests, which will probably become more of regulars because I just love my family so much. <laughs> um, my mom uh, and Evelyn are both joining us here at the table while we're recording this time. And again, my dad is back. Um, so what's new, y'all? What's been going on? We'll discuss some things before we get started. Anything going on? Like what you want to know. I don't know. Anything interesting going on in your lives? I would like to know. Uh-huh. Um, does anybody here ever watch Major Crimes? <laughs> no. Yeah, I sure do. What is Has that? anybody seen Dances with Wolves? Yes, I have. The woman? What's her name? Um, oh, uh, yeah, I know who she is, yeah, but I can't, I don't know what her name is. There's, she played I, on Battlestar Galactica, too. She was the president. I want to know if she's died, because they... That's and, not the kind of stuff we want on here. No, in uh, the uh, sitcom, I have no idea. She, died. she may have just... Died in the show, Mom. Yeah, that's what it yeah. was in the show. Oh, yeah. Are you that gullible? Well, I did. It's, he told me about it. I didn't <laughs> watch it. <laughs> okay. Well, interesting topic. <laughs> that came out of the blue. Had no idea. I just wanted to know. <laughs> okay. Well, I, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> um, well, before we get started, I, I wanted to say something. Uh, because a lot of people, uh, how do I say this? I don't want anyone to think that when I laugh, when I'm telling terrible stories, that I'm being insensitive uh, because I am not. It's just who I am. It's a coping mechanism. Uh, Rodney is the same way as is my dad. Um, it's an inherited trait, which I'm actually grateful for because... We deal with things differently, and laughter is one of those things. And and I'm not being disrespectful to any of the victims or their families or anything like that. Um, the terrible things happen, and uh, I hate that those things happen. It's just it's a coping mechanism for myself. So no disrespect to anyone out there. I just want to make sure that everybody's clear that it is just me and who I am. So anyway, I just want everyone to know that there's, I mean, no disrespect or anything like that. So um, we're good. We're good. Okay. All right. Now, we are going to talk about tonight um, the Salem Witch Trials. Now, I could probably save this for a Halloween episode or whatever, but it's not scary. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to do 
I want to do a scary episode for Halloween. So the Salem witch trials. So what do you think of when you hear the Salem witch trials? Well, for me, I think of innocent people who were killed because someone thought they were witches, all due to them not understanding the unknown yet. From what I know of the trials, that's true. Tonight, I'm going to go over the history of the witch trials and why these innocent people were accused of witchcraft. The Salem witch trials happened in 1692. That's a long time ago. Over 200 people were accused of practicing witchcraft. 30 people were found guilty and 19 were executed by hanging. 14 women and five men. One other man, Giles Corey, died by torture due to his refusal to enter a plea, and at least five died in jail. The trials happened in Colonial, Massachusetts, which is someplace that I would really love to go someday. I, I've heard Massachusetts is, is really pretty. You've been there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it pretty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to go to Massachusetts. Shout out to uh, the Morbid Girls. They're, they're from Massachusetts, so I've always wanted to go there. Anyway, arrests were made in several towns beyond Salem, which or Salem Village, which is known as uh, Danvers today. The two most popular towns were Andover and Topsfield. The trials were held in Salem Town, which is also where the hangings took place, and why a lot of people believe the place is haunted. Well, probably. I, I can't say for sure, but it is probably haunted because a lot of people, uh, innocent people, uh, died there. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was the deadliest witch hunt in colonial North American history. Up to that point, only 14 other women and two men had been executed in Massachusetts and Connecticut during the 17th century. In 1711, authorities pardoned uh, some of the accused and gave their families compensation. It wasn't until July of 2022 that the last convicted victim was cleared and officially exonerated. Her name was Elizabeth Johnson Jr. Let's go over some facts about the trials. The trials were a series of witchcraft cases brought before the courts in Salem in the 17th century. Yeah. Who'd you say? Elizabeth? Uh, Elizabeth Johnson Jr. Junior? That That's how they have it. Yeah, I guess they took the... The whole kitten caboodle. I know I found it odd too, but that's how it was worded when I looked she it up. She was named after her mother. <clears throat> no, it's a it's something that a man would put behind their name. Uh, women do too. Nancy Sinatra used Junior. Really? Because her mother's name was Nancy. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. Well, interesting fact. Okay. Well, that's. Well, I learned something new today. Well. Cool beans. Okay. So let's go over some uh, facts about the trials. Okay. The trials were a series of witchcraft cases brought before the courts in Salem in the 17th century. The exact cause of the trials is unknown. However, some of the theories are conversion disorder, epilepsy, ergo poisoning, encephalitis, Lyme disease, unusually cold weather, factionalism, socioeconomic hardships, family conflicts, and fraud, just to name a few. Well, that's a lot of things going on. 
What that could have caused encephalitis? it. Encephalitis. <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. Rod, uh, you got your phone out. Look that up. Encephalitis. Because have... my dad had that. Encephalitis? Oh, okay. Well, he's going to look it up. So um... most, most of the time you get encephalitis from your sexual partner. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> oh, mercy. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. You can get it other ways, too. Yeah. But that's the biggest. Yeah. Okay. My dad got it during the war. Okay, so he finally got it. So what is it? It's a rare condition that affects fewer than 200,000 people in America each year. It is a bacterial or viral disease that affects the brain due to infection. Mm. Treatment will cure the disease if it is treated early. If you wait too long to get treated, it can cause other serious problems with the body. Okay. So so it's a brain thing. Yeah. yeah. But okay. Then, then how do you get it? What means do you contact it by? Hold on. I have no idea. He's looking that up too, folks. <laughs> Hold on. Measles can cause encephalitis, herpes viruses, varicella. And enter enteroviruses. Okay. And there's six more. That's kind of like a... autoimmune disease, Japanese encephalitis, mm-hmm. contaminated food or drink, bacteria, mosquito bites, mosquito. Yeah. yeah, my granddad was stationed in the Philippines during what which war well, was South Pacific, World War Two. Oh, he was in the South Pacific, so that's highly likely that yeah. Okay. All right. Well, back to the story. So here are seven ways that were tested to prove slash disprove you were a witch. Some of these are disturbing, so hang on to your butts. (laughs) They were. Some of them were disturbing. Uh, The first one, the swimming test. The accused were dragged to the closest body of water. Yes, they were dragged, dripped down to their underpants, bound, and then tossed in to see if they sunk or floated. The thinking was because witches supposedly waived the sacrament of baptism. The water would reject them and prevent them from submerging. According to their logic, yeah, I thought so too, um, an innocent person would sink like a rock because they were bound. But a witch would just bob up and down, you know, on the surface. Typically, the victim or accused would have a rope tied around their waist so they could be pulled from the water. But it wasn't uncommon for occasional accidental drownings to happen. Just barbaric, if you ask me. I, yeah. For real. Of course, that was a different time. Um, these people were Puritans, so they were very, very strict. Very strict. Our family would never have survived. No, we would not have survived at all. Not many families would have survived back now, back then. So, yeah. Um, We'd have been lost. um, Witch swimming came from the trial by water, which was an ancient practice where suspected criminals or sorcerers would be thrown into a rushing river and thereby allowing a higher power to decide their fate. The custom was banned in many European countries in the Middle Ages, but was brought back 
in the 17th century as a witch experiment and continued in some locations well into the 18th century. Here's an example. In 1710, the test was administered to a woman named Dorko Boda of, hum of Hungarian descent, and she was later beaten and burned at the stake as a witch. <laughs> now we have another one. Pardon me, i got to clear my throat. Sorry about that. Uh, the prayer test. Just the a second. Mm -hmm. So that was the only, was she the only one that was burned at the stake? I think so, yeah. I, at least that's what this, the information that I pulled up, this this particular article. Um, and uh, I do post my sources and things in my show notes, so you can see everything there if you want to read more about them. The prayer test. The belief was that witches were incapable of speaking scriptures aloud. If you were a sorcerer or a witch, you were expected to recite to recite a passage from the Bible. Again, people, I apologize for my speaking. These braces make it impossible <laughs> to talk and pronounce some words. I can't wait till I get these off. So, um, usually the Lord's Prayer was what they were expected to um, recite, and there were to be no mistakes allowed. Logically, due to the times, it was probably more of an illiteracy type thing, because I would imagine that a lot of people couldn't read back then. Only the wealthy, you know, pretty much. It was probably, or just uh, being nervous, which people get stage fright and they have. I I get stage fright, so I can totally relate to that. Um, but again, for the times, to make any mistakes whatsoever was a surefire sign you were doing the devil's work. This test of public speaking was commonly used as their evidence in trials. In 1712, this test was used in the case of Jane Wenham, who was an accused witch. Apparently, she had a difficult time reciting the words, forgive us our trespasses and lead us not into temptation. Still, though, even you recited, either you recited everything as it was supposed to be, um, and that didn't guarantee an acquittal. During the witch trials in Salem, which you will come to see later, during the witch trials in Salem, the accused, George Burroughs, recited the Lord's Prayer flawlessly right before he was executed. So it didn't matter. They, it didn't matter. They, it, somebody could do all of these tests, and if they had it in for you, they had it in for you is what I gather from this stuff. They said it was the result of a devil's trick, and everything went according to plan with the execution. So, see, they found a way around it. Even though he recited it word for word, um, they said he's, he's still a sorcerer or a witch. I don't know what they would have called him. Um, it's just what mood they were in that day. Yeah. That, a warlock, maybe? Yeah. Well, a sorcerer or witch is, is what this talks about. So, I would imagine he was a man, so he was a sorcerer. I don't know. These people were just crazy, if you ask me. Why have all these tests uh, if you weren't going to use them as evidence of not being a witch? Just doesn't make any sense to me. Go ahead. I have a question. Okay. If these people knew that this was going on, why didn't they leave? Because they really didn't have nowhere to go, Mom. You have to think about the time that this was done. This was when the colonies were first being established and... Well, I'd have found another colony to go to. Oh, 
I would have too. But most of these people were poor. Most of these people who were accused of witchcraft were poor. They didn't have the means to go anywhere. Well, they lived off the land. Yeah, but still. So they could have lived off the land on the way to another colony. Right, but to travel, it cost money to travel. Regardless, you know, I guess. But, I mean, that was my, I was asking myself the same question when I was uh, uh, doing this was, you know, well, why didn't they just leave? You know, they're trying to accuse them of witchcraft. But anyway, na- next we have the touch test. This one threw me off. The touch test. What the heck does that mean? Well, the touch test supposedly would cause the victim of sorcery to have a special reaction upon physical contact with their evildoer. For example, let's say a person was possessed. Well, they would bring in the so-called witch and have them put their hands on that person. If the person remained possessed, this proved the accused innocent. If they came out of their fit, then that was proof the accused was a witch or sorcerer. The touch test played a famous role in the 1662 case slash trial of Rose Cullender and Amy Denny. They were both charged with bewitching a pair of young girls. The two girls had been suffering with fits that caused their fists to clench so tightly a strong man couldn't even pry them apart. However, the test showed that they would open whenever Colander and and Denny touched them. Curious, yes, but maybe there was another explanation. In order to prove the girls were genuine in their reactions, the court had them blindfolded and touched by other members of the court. The girls unclenched their fists, as I expected, but that to the court meant nothing. The older ladies were still convicted and hanged. So again, another example of having guidelines in place and those guidelines being ignored. Now we have the witch cake. What the heck is witch cake, I ask you? Well, apparently there was a special dessert that could be used to identify evildoers. What this was, was a concoction of a victim's urine mixed with rye meal and ashes that was mixed into a cake. It was then fed to the accused's dog or familiar, which anybody who's, you know, knows anything about witches, they usually have a pet of some sort, and it's they're known as their familiar. Yeah, usually Um, a black cat. Yeah, well, that's for witches, but Yeah. yeah, yeah. They supposedly can help the witch magically. This was to see if the beast would fall under its spell and reveal the name of the guilty sorcerer. In the aftermath of the witch trials, the slave Tituba, I hope I pronounced that correctly because that's all that they had on there was Tituba, famously helped prepare a cake to try to identify the person responsible for bewitching a young girl and others. The concoction failed to work, again, as it obviously would. But due to her knowledge of spells and folk remedies, this was used as evidence against her. So they brought this woman in to make this cake. And she made the cake, and it didn't work to their liking. 
So then they accused her of witchcraft. That's just, these people couldn't win for losing, could they? They just couldn't win for losing. Justice was not on their side. No, it was not. It just was not. That, uh, there were a lot of double standards back then, wasn't there? Yes, there were. No matter how you look at it, there was a lot of double standards. Next, we have the witch's mark. Witch hunters would often uh, have their catches examined for what was called a witch mark. It was believed that witches would have an unsightly blemish that they would receive when they made their pact with Satan. Another name, the devil's mark, could supposedly change shape and color. It was also believed to be numb and insensitive to pain. The court would also search for the witch's teat, which was an extra nipple that was allegedly used for the helper animals or familiars to suckle on. That's just disgusting. (laughs) That's just gross. That's gross. In any event, physical imperfections of any kind could be used to label someone as a witch. That blemish that she was talking about, you think that's where the ward on the end of the nose comes from? Probably. I, I don't know. It may. If uh, you had a mole or a scar, birthmark, sores, super, uh, supernumerary nipples and tattoos would also fall under this category. So... Examiners rarely came up empty-handed. So basically, if you had any kind of deformity at all, you were a witch or a sorcerer. Hmm, I used to go with a witch. One of the signs of a witch was that they had an extra nipple. Uh Then I dated a young lady some years back. She most definitely had three nipples. (laughs) Two in place where they normally should be, and one was on side. Oh, yeah, then she would have been considered a witch. No, it was not. It was not my mother. Thank goodness. Although I've been called a witch before. Well, I have too, but you know, that goes without saying. I'm sure Evelyn's been called that too, huh? Yeah. My dad called my mother a witch. Yeah, and I'm proud of it. Not that. A witch, because I'm totally against witchcraft and all that other good stuff. But yeah, I've been called a witch a few times. I've been called the other one. Worse you, than that. Yeah, if you drop the W and replace it with a B, I've been called that too. So I own that one. <laughs> but anyway, so during the hysteria, my parents are so funny people. That's why I like to have them on here, because, you know, they're they're... Older, and and some of the things that they say just cracks me up. During the hysteria, desperate villagers would sometimes burn or cut off any blemishes they had that could be considered the devil's work. I would have done the same thing. Goodness, I mean, if they went, these people went to this extent, it's like, goodness gracious, I was born with a birthmark. I got to cut my flesh off because I'm going to get accused of being a witch. Well, they did just called you a witch for cutting it off. It, right, exactly. You were trying to hide it. No, I'm trying to get away from you. However, that wouldn't have brought them any peace either because the wounds were also labeled as well. Well, who'd have thought that? The wounds were labeled as what? 
They were labeled as the devil's work as well. Yeah. These people were bored silly. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. So basically, the people were doomed if they did and doomed if they didn't. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Okay, now we come to the pricking and scratching test. This test, <laughs> she got a kick out of that. The pricking and scratching. It's like itchy and scratchy from the Simpsons. Um, this test was a sus out or bring out. That's what sus means. The marks, if there were no obvious marks on the body. What would happen is because the witch marks were supposedly numb and insensitive to pain or couldn't bleed, special needles were designed to repeatedly stab and prick at the flesh until the desired results were achieved. Sorry, my mom was coughing. She got strangled, as all uh, elderly people do. <laughs> She's a witch. She's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. So let me go back here. I've lost my place. Um, this test was to suss out or bring out any marks. The marks, uh, if there were no obvious marks on the body, what would happen is because the witch marks were supposedly numb, uh, blah, 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 they would make special needles um, to repeatedly stab and prick the flesh until the desired results were achieved. I apologize for, you know, uh, re- Stating all of the obvious, but anyway. Of course a person is going to bleed when they're stabbed repeatedly. For crying out loud, what the heck were these people thinking? In England and Scotland, this technique was eventually performed by professional pickers. <laughs> of, <laughs> of which were mostly con men who would use dull needles to identify fake witch marks. Come on, people. You, you're just, you've got to be kidding me. Were these people naive? Yes. Or did they only see what they wanted to see? Yes, they did. In addition to the pricking, a suspect might also be subjected to scratching by their supposed victims. If the person was possessed, said person would get relief by scratching the person believed to be responsible for their condition. That just makes no sense. It just makes no sense. With their fingernails until blood was drawn. If the person's condition improved after the clawing, it was seen as evidence, or rather partial evidence, of the suspect's, suspect's guilt. So let me guess. The person most likely improved for the love of Pete. <laughs> and lastly, of the seven tests, incantations. Incantations also known as charging. What, oh, what this entailed uh, is forcing the accused to verbally order the devil to let the victim come out of their fit or their trance. Now, just let me say this. You don't order the devil to do anything. So this, to me, is the most preposterous. Anyway, what would happen is there would be others who would also utter words in the test as a control. Then the judges would determine if what was said had any effect on the victims. These so-called charges were used in the witch trials against Alice Samuel and her husband and daughter. They were accused of bewitching five young girls from a wealthy family named the Throckmortons. 
What happened was the judge ordered the Samuels to demand the devil release the girls from their spell by stating, quote, as I am a witch, so I charge the devil to let Mistress Thockmorton come out of her fit at the present, end quote. When the girls went back to normal after the Samuels, of of course, were found guilty and hanged as witches. So, I mean, that's just terrible. They were probably innocent and died because of zealots. I think they were zealots. So awful. Uh, But I guess that came with the times. And speaking of the times, people often feared that the devil was always trying to destroy Christians and their way of life. Well, he was. But these people went way beyond anything. Uh, The community was very religious as they were pretty much isolated from the rest of the world. So the fear of the devil was high. Due to this heightened fear, it didn't take much to uh, to make them think the devil was at work and that evil was among them. During the medieval and early modern eras, many religions, including Christianity, believed that the devil gave witches the power to harm others in order to keep their loyalty. The witchcraft craze ran through Europe from the 1300s to the end of the 1600s. That's a long time. Tens of thousands of so-called witches were mostly women who were executed. That is uh, just awful. People being killed because people just didn't understand. Not saying that I'm okay with witchcraft because I am not. But the majority of these people that died because of um because of this they they weren't witches just strange circumstances and if someone didn't understand that said person was accused of witchcraft which basically meant death my thing is why mostly women that i don't understand yes there were a few men accused of it very few but pretty much if you're a woman you had better keep your nose clean or else. A woman was easier to uh, handle. Yeah, back then, yeah. <clears throat> That's how the times were back then. Yep. Not <laughs> back then. Yeah, back then. That definitely wouldn't have flown with my mother. That's, uh, yeah. He'd have fought tooth and nail and then... And then like, yeah. let me shoot you. Yeah, they'd have, put, they'd have put her in prison just because she... Yeah, anyway. The cr- witchcraft craze, as they called it, is colonial America's most notorious cases of mass hysteria. In America, the events that happened in Salem have been used as political rhetoric and popular literature to remind us of the dangers of isolation, religious extremism, false accusations, and the lack of due process. Historians believe that these events helped to shape America. I would have to agree. Looking back on those events, many changes were made on how people were and are tried. Can we say evidence, people? You have to have evidence. So here is the story of how everything went down. In 1689, English monarchs William and Mary started a war with the American colonies and France. This was known as King William's War. For the colonists... The war-ravaged regions of upstate New York, Nova Scotia, and Quebec 
which sent refugees into the county of Essex and specifically Salem Village in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Due to the strain on Salem's resources because of the influx of refugees, it aggravated the existing rivalry between families of wealth from the port of Salem and those who depended on agriculture. It also brewed controversy over the Reverend Samuel Paris. He was Salem's first ordained minister in 1689, and he quickly gained a reputation for being rigid and greedy. The Puritan villagers believed everything that was going on was the work of the devil. Everything. In January of 1692, the Reverend's daughter, Elizabeth, or Betty as they called her, age 9, and his niece, Abigail Williams, age 11, had been acting strangely. They would scream, throw things, uttered strange-sounding words, and contorted themselves in weird positions. Sounds to me like they just needed a spanking. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. But seriously, from what I've learned so far, the majority of these cases seemed like put-ons just to get people in trouble or accuse someone because they didn't get their way. Like when they administered these tests, as soon as they would say the words, the supposed afflicted person would miraculously improve. Not saying all of these cases were bogus, just saying it all seems fishy to me. Anyway, back to the story. The local doctor blamed the fits on something supernatural. Still, another young girl, 12-year-old Ann Putnam Jr., was having similar experiences. On February 29th, due to the pressures from the magistrates, Jonathan Corwin and John Hawthorne, who were uh, colonial officials that tried cases, had to try two women for supposedly causing harm to Anne. They were Tituba, a Caribbean woman who was enslaved by the Paris family, Sarah Good, a homeless beggar, and Sarah Osborne, an elderly impoverished woman. Again, I'm sensing a theme here. Seems like the less fortunate were the ones targeted for this mess. That was uh, the so-called witch trials. Almost as if they were trying to rid their cities or counties of these folks they deemed undesirable. If that was the case, that is just despicable. So, these three women were brought before the magistrates and interrogated for several days, which started on March 1st, 1692. Osborne and Good both claimed they were innocent, but Tituba did not. She confessed and said, quote, The devil came to me and bid me serve him. End quote. She described images of black dogs, red cats, and yellow birds, as well as, quote, tall man with white hair, end quote that wanted her to sign his book. She claimed to have signed the book and said there were several other witches wanting to destroy the Puritans. With that, the paranoia, paranoia spread and the accusations flew. They even accused a loyal church member of being a witch. They said if she was a witch, then anyone could be. The magistrates even questioned children, one of which was Good's four-year-old daughter. See, they just went hog wild with this whole thing. Because she was timid, when they questioned her, they took that as a confession. Because she just, you know, didn't speak up or whatever. Yeah. 
why would they accuse children? I mean, children aren't innocent of anything, but a four-year-old? Yeah, that's just, yeah. Well, as time went on, the situation got more intense. On May 27th, 1692, the governor at the time, William Phipps, ordered the court to hear and decide the fates of those accused from Suffolk, Essex, and Middlesex counties. The first of the accused was brought in, and guess what? She was known for her gossip and promiscuity. She said she was innocent, and lo and behold, the jury wasn't convinced, and she was found guilty and became the first person to be hanged in what was called the Gallow Hill. A few days after the court was established, a respected minister, Cotton Mather, would write a letter requesting the court to not allow spectral evidence as testimony which was dreams and visions. The court ignored this and thus began the sentencing and hangings. On July 5th, people would be convicted and hanged. Five more in August and eight more in September. On October 3rd, following in his son's footsteps, Increase Mather, who happened to be president of Harvard at the time, denounced spectral evidence and said, quote, it were better that ten suspected witches should escape than one innocent person be condemned. End quote. I say good for him. Good for him for standing up for those people. Phipps, the governor, if you remember, responds by prohibiting further arrests and released many of the accused. His wife was even questioned as a suspected witch. Boy, they just went all out, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they cleaned house. He dissolved the court of Oyer and Terminer, which means to end, on October 29th, replacing it with the Superior Court of Judic Judicature, which would disallow spectral evidence and only convict three out of the 56 accused. Phipps had also pardoned all of those who were imprisoned on witchcraft charges by May of 1693, but to that end, the damage was already done. In total, 19 men and women were, had been hung at, at the Gallows Hill. And get this, Giles Corey, Martha's 71-year-old husband, husband, was pressed to death with heavy stones for refusing to submit to a trial. He was pressed to death. They squished him to death. Five of the accused died in jail, and even animals fell victim to all the mishmash with Two dogs being killed that were believed to be linked with the devil. Oh, I just don't. I just don't understand. Um, I'm so glad I live now, that rather than then. Now on to getting things back on track. In the years that followed the trials, some involved, like Judge Samuel Sewell. Wow, say that three times fast. That's hard to say, even without braces. Uh, and accuser Ann Putnam confessed publicly their error in guilt. The Massachusetts General Court ordered a day of fasting to soul-search the tragedy that was the Salem Witch Trials. In 1702, the court declared the trials unlawful, and in 1711, the colony passed a bill restoring the rights and good names to many of the accused and also gave the families 600 pounds, or in U.S. currency, $740.50, as restitution to their heirs. Not a lot of money for taking the innocent people's lives, if you ask me. But it was a lot of money for the time. 
Apologies weren't formally given until 250 years later. It's now shown, yeah, it's now shown that the victims of the so-called bewitched fits were most likely accused by ergotism, which is a condition caused by eating foods contaminated with the fungus ergo. The symptoms include muscle spasms, vomiting, delusions, and hallucinations. Another theory is a combination of church politics, family feuds, and hysterical children, all of which were quite plausible. However, no concrete explanation has been given or found that points to why the witch trials happened. To commemorate the witch trials, a memorial was dedicated in 1992 by Nobel laureate Ellie Weissel. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Also in Salem is a museum that houses the original court documents named the Peabody Essex Museum. One day, I hope to go visit Salem. It's rich with history and not to mention considered to be very haunted. But I won't go into that yet. That's a whole other episode on its own. Well, there you have it, folks. The Salem Witch Trials, not at all what I expected when I first learned of them. When you first hear about it, you expect there to be some kind of scariness to it. At least I did. Well, I guess what they did to those people is pretty scary. That was scary because all you had to do was breathe. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Yeah. It was the witch who started all that. Yeah. Um, In my view, it was all a ruse to get rid of unwanted people. Terrible. So many innocent people were killed. I just hate that those people died needlessly. And for the times, religion was a whole other ball game, and they lived their lives in accordance. But what people fail to realize is that nobody can live up to those expectations, and to try to do so only causes things like this to happen. Nobody, I repeat, nobody on this planet is or was perfect, save one. And we can never live up to that. His name was Jesus Christ. So with that, I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoy I enjoyed making it. If you have any comments or would like to contribute somehow, please let us know through our email, darker side of things, the number one at gmail.com. You can also reach us through Twitter, SusanRod6965, and Instagram at the darker side of things pod. We also have the Facebook page, the darker side of things podcast. So I just want to say thank you all for listening. Um, Stay safe and all the good stuff. Thank you, uh, everybody, mom and Evelyn, dad, Rod, of course, for joining me. Anything, any comments you guys would like to say before we sign off? These people were crazy. I agree. I agree. They they were really out there. But like I said. Well, um, they weren't um, very educated. No. Well, they were yeah. obsessed with themselves. Mm-hmm. The rich got rid of the poor. Mm-hmm. That's See, that's that's what I got out of it is they, they were looking for, they wanted to rid their area of, of what they considered to be less desirables. And um, that's an unfortunate thing, but it happens all the time. They got rid of the the those. They got rid of the less fortunate people, so it didn't make them feel guilty for being wealthy. Exactly. And well, they were stingy back then. That's for sure. That's for sure. And they still are. 
yeah, they were um, extremists, I think. Um, you know, I was raised in a religious household. My dad was a minister. I grew up uh, going to church. And there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do things. And my parents uh, let us be people. They let us develop our own thoughts, our own ideas. They let us experience life, which I am so grateful for. Um, but the... Um, you went to school functions. Yeah, we did all kinds of things. Um, but the extremists, they don't... They don't do that. And back then, the Puritans, they were extremely strict. Not, and I'm not harping on Puritans. You know, I'm sure that they have their good qualities as well as anybody else. Um, <clears throat> well, they were fanatics. Um, well, I mean, I don't know personally because I don't know much about their religion. But It just sounds that way. Yeah, it sounds as if they were fanatical, but I don't know for sure. And they were all full of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They're still Puritans today. Yeah, yeah. There's Quakers, and, and those are all over in Indiana. But anyway, so we'll end there. Um, so stay safe, keep it real, uh, stay away from the rabbit holes. Remember, everybody, they're dark and they're deep. Goodbye. 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 <laughs>